we want to speak about loving Jesus right into his mission. Mission lies at the center of God's calling for his people, for it is at the center of his heart for the world. We have some classic Bible texts. We have John 3.16. What does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What do you have in John chapter 21 verse 15 to 17? That the call of Simon Peter to do what? The questions. Simon, do you love me? We are going to add with that text in John chapter 21 and verse 15 to 17. You want to read Matthew chapter 28 from verse 16 to verse 20. I think you can put it up there. It says, The eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. You know that as a great commission, isn't it? And uh, what, when you hear, uh, before we say that, there are some, some very basic facts that we need to be clear about. When we talk about mission, that the world belongs to God. According to Psalms 24, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says what? Your Bible scholars. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he loves that world, according to what we have said in John 3.16. And he is not willing that any should perish, in, according to Second Peter 3 and verse 9. And he wants everyone to be saved. Everyone. And come to the knowledge of the truth. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. Why? Because the human race is one big family. God's family. According to Acts chapter 17 verse 24 to 28. In him we live and move and have our being. The human race is one big family. All of us belong to God. All of us matter to God. No matter our colors, no matter our cultures, it doesn't matter our environment, all of us are one big family that God loves. Man was made in the beginning by God, for God, and it was God's intention that man should find his highest happiness in God, not in material things, not in any other thing, but should find his highest happiness in God. That's why God 
made us in his own image so that he could have an object worthy of his everlasting love, God's love. We are objects. We are made specially to be, for God to pour his love for us as we have sung in that hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. As I said in the first service, animals do not qualify to have the kind of love from God we have. I was saying about the hyenas of Lamu and the buffaloes that we fight with and the huge snakes we kill almost every day. They are not objects of God's love. You and me are objects of God's love. Yes, God loves the creation. He created it. But we are objects of God's love. And therefore, if somebody is created in God's image, he is special. Doesn't matter where they live. God loves them. And God has a strategy to reach them out. And finally, God is not an option. People can accept or reject and then go on to continue to live normal lives. God is life. Without a relationship with God, people cannot experience true life. They must be connected with God. Back to our text in Matthew 28, verse 16. May I suggest to you that the Great Commission does not begin where you think it begins. Where do you think it begins, usually? Verse 19, isn't it? What does it say, verse 19? Go, therefore go and make disciples. And you think that's a commission? That's half of it. Actually, you have missed you have missed it. If that is where you begin, you have missed it. And probably that is why you don't even go or you don't even give or you do not even realize the importance of you participating in God's mission. May I suggest to you that it begins from verse 16. And I thank God for the Bible translators who have put a section heading right there in verse 16. The eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. That is where it has begun, isn't it? They went where Jesus had told them to go. They got out of their comfort zone. Jesus did not come to their living rooms. They went out to that particular mountain. It took them some, maybe, they, I don't know, the Bible does not say what they used. Maybe donkeys, maybe they walked, maybe camels, maybe chariots, but they went to where Jesus required them to be. And verse 17 says, When they saw him face to face, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. When they saw Jesus, what did they do? They worshipped him. Missions begins with worship. It begins with us realizing who Jesus is. And we see here also, this is an evidence of the deity of Christ. Can we, do, we see, do we see Jesus stopping them from worshipping? He didn't tell them, no, don't worship me. Because he is God. They worshipped him. They were worshippers. 
they, they adored him. Can, can you put that in the New Living Translation, verse 17? Not the New Living Translation, but the message. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I don't know what, who is... Can you have it in the, new, in the, the message? There's something I want to point out about that particular verse that I didn't do it in the first service. When they saw him. Worship is what worship is what prompts us to missions. And it says before even you, you, Jesus spoke to them they had a moment. We are not told how long. Maybe an hour. We don't know even what they were telling Jesus. We don't know what words they used, whether they sang hymns to him. All we know is that they worshipped him. And that's how it began. Now they have worshipped him. Then he told them, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That is part of the Great Commission. That you know, before you go, you must realize the, the God you are serving. The Jesus who is sending you, wherever he is sending you. If you don't know this particular uh, verse, or it is not an experience in us, we cannot be in Lamu today. We can't. It's impossible to be there with all the dangers every day. Jesus came and told, told his disciples, I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. And verse 17, not it's first Put verse 16 and 17. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them still doubted. I think this is uh, the message. Let me read it right from my Bible, from the message. Meanwhile, the eleven disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for their reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshipped him. The moment they saw him, they did what? They worshipped him. Some though held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. That's what we do. We don't want to risk worshipping the Lord. We are not sure he is going to take care of us. He's telling me to go to mission field. He will really take care of my kids. What shall I eat? What shall I drink? How are they going to be educated? How are they going to be married, possibly? How am I going to make it in life? What about that loan? What about that mortgage? Some of them held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves. Let's go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts chapter 12. It is not in your PowerPoint. I didn't uh, have it then when it was being made. And we see another incident where men are worshipping the Lord. Chapter 13 of Acts, verse 1. 
downwards. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Rusias from Cyrene, Manaen, the childhood companion of King Herod, Antipas, and Saul. These are, these are who? Prophets and teachers of the church, elders here. Maybe you could put one of your elders or two in the list. Put them there. Eh? What are they doing? One day, as these men were worshipping the Lord and doing what? Fasting. The Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work for which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hearts on them and sent them on their way. We see here a group of church leaders, men that are called teachers and prophets. They were habitually coming together to do what? To worship the Lord, maybe to study the word, to prayer, many, many hours. One of those days is when they were ready. And who visits them? The Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit say? Appoint me or separate me, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the special work. That is where mission begins. Worship, loving the Lord, adoring him. Because, as I say down here, excuse me, Christian mission, therefore, is not our pursuit of other people to make them like us. Rather, it is our participation in God's pursuit of all people to love him and make them like him and their lives like his. Let me repeat. Christian mission is not our pursuit of other people to make them like us. For we are imperfect. If you went to a mission field to make people like you right now, with all your hang-ups, with all your weaknesses, is that, is that mission? It isn't, isn't it? Because you are going to duplicate who you are. Mission, therefore, is our participation in God's pursuit of all people. God is the one who is doing the pursuing. So that people may worship him. People may love him. People may become like Jesus Christ. And that is a privilege. There is a man called Tim Dearborn. He worked with the World Vision in their head office in the U.S. He has written a little book. And the book is called Beyond Duty. And he has put it so clearly for us this morning. He says, God's church falters from exhaustion. And sometimes you get exhausted. Eh? Because Christians erroneously think that God has given them a mission to perform in the world. Rather, the God of mission has given his church to the world. The church of Christ is actually a gift to the world. It is not the church of God that has a mission in the world, but the God of mission that has a church in the world. The church's involvement in mission is its privileged participation in the actions of the triune God. What Yabon is trying to tell us here is that we don't have a mission. 
on this world. It is the God of mission who has us as a gift to the world and is waiting for us to connect with him, to worship him, to love him until we hear him telling us let's go. It is here. It is Korogosho. It is Kirereshua. It is Lamu. It is Radire. Praise the Lord. It begins with worship because when we love Jesus, we take our love to the world. The love we have already experienced from Jesus. The church of God does not have a mission in the world. The God of mission has a church in the world. And the sooner we understand that, the better for us. And mission will not be drama. Mission will not be a tragedy. Mission will be easier for us. Because what else, do, if, you, if you are told to go today, where do you begin? Dearest, surely speaking, where do you begin? These men had no strategy in the church of Antioch. We, we are not told that there was a missions committee that had strategized. No. They poured their hearts to love God. And after they loved him and worshipped him, they heard Jesus through his spirit saying, separate me. And you read the, through the Acts, you find those that were left at home were raising funds to support the missionaries. And Paul would go around and then come back to the home church to report and more prayer will be offered and churches were planted. Human lives are only transformed by the grace of God, not by human effort. The church does not exist for mission. It exists for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's profound. The church does not exist for mission. It exists for who? For the Lord Jesus Christ. To set mission before the church as its essential reason for existence is to risk focusing its devotion on an idol. We dare not make something we do the justification of our existence. We err or we make mistake if we call people to a commitment to a task. I don't know whether the church here has been calling us to a task. Do, 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 do. Go there, go there. Raise fast for this. Those are tasks. And we, many people make that mistake of calling us to be committed to a task. No. Rather, the call is for people to be committed to a person. The person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. When they fully surrender their lives and all they have to Jesus and become well connected with him, he himself will deploy them into his mission. Jesus' mission has no place for half-hearted followers. When we get connected with Jesus, he is the one who knows where you fit. He is the one who has gifted you. He is the one who knows where you, what you can do. He knows your fears. He will work in your life. Praise the Lord. And then you can, he can feed you to where he wants you to be. We are called to a person, not to a task. And when we are connected with him, 
we will not have uh, those challenges, uh, those uh, shortcomings. There is a lack of interest in mission today. Lack of interest in mission. And I want to suggest here that lack of interest in mission is not fundamentally caused by an absence of compassion or commitment. We have compassion. We have commitment, isn't it? It is not by lack of information or exhortation. We have challenged many of you here. You have read books. You have seen all kinds of reports from television. Hunger there. Disaster there. So we have enough information. How are we not doing God's mission? It is not also a lack of more statistics or shocking statistics or more gruesome stories or more emotionally manipulative commands to obedience. I don't think we have lacked that. We have been here many times and churches also have invited missionaries and they have told shocking stories about the mission field. But how many people afterwards even call that missionary to ask, hi, how are you doing? Or even write, you have all the emails. How many have written to me, for example? Or Wainaina, how many have written to you asking you what you are doing in the mission field? It is not lack of those things. Why is there a lack of interest in a mission? May I suggest to you that the lack of interest is caused by a lack of true love and undivided love and the passion for Jesus Christ. People have lacked that passion and that connection. Lack of interest in God's mission is best remedied by intensifying people's love and passion for Jesus Christ so that the passions of his heart become the passions that propel our hearts. When we are propelled by love, the love of Jesus Christ, then mission happens. We see people being propelled by many things. And people have got charities. People have got many things that they love and they get committed to. And uh, one of the things that challenges, or one of the things that is a tragedy, is how we get committed to things and systems. And we have very little time and love for our Lord Jesus Christ. A man called um, John Owen has this to say about material things that people cling to. And even before I say that, I remember Jesus asking the disciples to go out and look for a donkey. There is a donkey tied somewhere. Bring it. And if somebody asks you, why are you untying the donkey, what was they to answer? The, own, the, the Lord, the Master, has need of it. And in the first service, I posed a question. You have donkeys in the form of cars and chariots. Eh? Some of them have got very nice hammers. I wish I can get a hammer for the, 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 the ram terrain. That's why it is needed, not on the tarmac. 
Suppose today you hear the Lord telling you, I need that four-wheel drive out there and give it to Pastor Eliud Sangu. He, it is needed there in that rough terrain. Can you hear Jesus telling you, what, do you, what will you be your response? Think about it. As some of you have many cars, honestly, and God has blessed you, but have you ever paused and thought, the master has need of them. Can I give them out? Do I need eight cars, like I was reading the other day? Somebody has eight cars in his name. Does he have that parking? I mean, maybe he has many homes, but that's very strange to me as a missionary. What do you do with eight cars in your compound? What are you doing with all the billions in your bank account? And then you only need, they said, four by six to bury you after you are died of lifestyle diseases. And you leave all that. And the other day I was reading, you see you are bushmen, we come here, we read papers, and we, so, we see news. And I saw another one, KRA, Kenya Revenue Authority, is demanding for one billion from one of you. Because they have evaded tax. Another one is 14 billion. <laughs> and they have so much, and they still want to steal what does not belong to them. But do you know there is a heavenly, the heaven revenue authority? Yeah, have you been giving your tithes and offerings? Suppose the HRA was to write an invoice to you, demanding all the tithes and offerings you have withheld, as far as God has blessed you with a salary, and resources, you have rental houses, you have chicken, where well, we tithe from our eggs. The other day we sold trees worth 2,000, we have given a tithe. Suppose heaven writes a, an invoice. Pastor David, I don't think you will have enough place to place all the millions these people owe heaven. That's why mission is suffering. You have it, you are thief, you are stealing. I mean, may heaven write an invoice to you. Some of them are, are finding it difficult because they are arrested and they thought it was a joke. They can bribe their way. There is grace that has been released to get all those people who are evading to give. And you think it is only in the physical, it is also in the spiritual. Please surrender yourself to Jesus and give to Caesar what, what, what you owe to Caesar, but give to God what belongs to God. Something interesting from John Owen, he says, we might also consider that God demonstrates his contempt for this in the world by the fact that he so often grants its wealth and power to unbelievers. No one would think valuable those things that a wise man throws out to his pigs. So he is saying here that the wealth of the world, what God just allows people to get, is not very important. It's just like a wise man 
throwing something to pigs. If you find pigs eating some, do you think that's something very important? No. Some of the wealthiest and the most powerful people on earth are unbelievers and ungodly. Does not that show God's contempt for the riches of this world? If those things were of great worth in themselves, would not God give them to those he loves? Many of us or many people are so poor, somebody said. Many people are so poor because the only thing they have is money. The only thing they have is money. That's why they are so poor. They have billions accumulated, but they cannot affect a single soul for eternity. What poverty? True riches is a revelation from God. And he continues to say, granted, there is a right use of the things of this world. The problem is, arises when people have no idea what is the right use. I suggest that only the spiritually minded have the wisdom to fight that, that right way. They will know the danger of loving these things. They will not be anxious and worried about obtaining all these things for themselves. For they realize that any of the benefits of this life are not theirs to own, but they are only for them to borrow and use well. The things of this world. Jesus said, or John in the, the, the letter of John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17, John says, Do not love this world, nor the things it affect offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Love for the world. And you see, we are deceived by things. We cling to them. We do not create time for our hearts to love Jesus. And some of us, may, right after this service, may go and delete some of the groups. Some of, them, some of you may go and switch off. Don't pay your DSTV for three months if it is about distracting you from prayer and seeking the Lord. I, those are my suggestions. Do whatever it takes to connect with God, you and your children and the family that God has given you. The church of God does not have a mission in the world. The God of mission has a church in the world. Now, feelings of love towards someone is one of the most common feelings of human nature. And happily, some people sometimes set their love on unworthy objects. The one who is the most worthy of our love is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because holiness cannot exist without love for Jesus Christ. The true Christian has a special feeling of love towards Christ. And Paul put it fearfully in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cast. Those are profound words. If anyone does not love the Lord, electricity, they have never seen any, anything that is modernity. Eh? There were no toilets in the villages. We have tried to help them put up some toilets with Ezekiel in some of the villages. But still they don't want to use them because how do you go with your father-in-law or your mother-in-law in the same small cubicle? I mean, 
how do you even use a, a hard kerchief? You use your hard kerchief and then your dirt you put into the pocket. Are you crazy? It should be thrown on the ground. I mean, it's dirt. I met a people like that. But because they love God, I cannot criticize them. I have to look for ways to adjust my world view. Do you understand? So how can you say you love Jesus and you don't love his friends? You criticize them. You backbite them. I think you need a nautical for some people to repent. If I love the same Savior as you do, I may not come from your culture. I may not do the same things the same way. But I love Jesus. I may eat raw meat like our brothers in the Dasanach. In the morning, some friends visited uh, this in Irerete, eh? and they eat meat without cooking. No problem. You find others with scanty clothing. I was saying here about the Redire and the shock I got the first time we visited a village in Redire. Men being bottomless, women being topless. And they are singing. We went to Trukana to preach and we were in Lodua some years ago. And those who have been Trukana, they know it's only that God has not, I think God should have said there should be no mass nakedness. I was shocked. Went to this town, this, this, um, I don't know whether my time is up. I went to this, uh, we were to camp at the road where secondary school, but the boys had taken their mattresses home. And uh, we were a team of, I think, a bus and a rad cruiser. And we were to stay there for two weeks. And we go to this market in the, in the, in the town, and it was very hot in the afternoon. And there was only one tree. And many, many of the, the people, the, the, the merchandise were heaped under this, this, this tree. And there were several women who had uh, slept in the afternoon heat. And after somebody sleeps, they don't take care of themselves. And you see, they have only one small thing here, another thing here, the rest are beads and some funny hair, eh? They, they shave and then they have uh, some hair here. And I was the first person to get out of the old Rad Rover, the 109. And my brother who was reading us and another, the, the, the director of the mission was there in the cabin. I think they were negotiating and counting money. So I get, I get out first and I walk towards the women because he wanted to buy mats. And they called mats. To come and have them on the, the, Beds that are metallic, at least for our backs not to be to pain a lot. And the women were woken up by the voice, I mean the, 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 the rad rover, and they started staggering towards me. You see, Trukana at all, eh? And I was, I was small. So they come to me and I'm <laughs> going backwards. They are, their breasts are out. They are dirty, they are smelling. Nobody had prepared me for the shock. Toto, 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 Nini Taka. I mean, they were broken Swahili. Eh? I didn't know what to do, so I, I pointed to the brothers in the vehicle. Luckily, they were coming out of the vehicle, and I told them, please, take care of this. 
the brother saw my, my face and he said, don't worry. He apologized for not preparing me for what to meet. Anyway, to cut the long story short, after that week, the weekend, all the missionaries were divided up into the churches to go for service. And I was given one church to go and preach. Only to find the same women <laughs> seated. And when the time came for testimonies, they were actually competing to come in front. Could be these were my sisters in Christ. <laughs> that was a baptism by fire, as they say, <laughs> into mission field. And some of you may get the same shock. But you know what? If you love Jesus and you meet other people who love him, you have no problem. You are adjust you are going to adjust to your world view. You are going to, to know that it is okay even when people do not wear the same that you do. Let's conclude by reading what I said you read at the end, John chapter 21 from verse 15. This is Jesus speaking to Simon Peter. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than this? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, son, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said. At that time, Jesus, at that time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question at that time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Praise be to God. Jesus is not looking for you to have degrees. Jesus did not ask Peter, do you have a theology training, theological training? Are you skillful in this? Very simple question. Peter, do you love me? Then, praise the Lord. Do you love me? Then, do this. The same question Jesus is asking us. Yes, I have loved you. I have poured my love to you. I have shown you that I love you. You have come to me. Do you love me? How you answer that question determines whether you are going to follow Jesus all the way into his mission. And as we conclude with this hymn again, and we sing it a little slower, I want us to investigate our hearts and weigh our love for Jesus. Do we love Jesus or we love material things? Do we love him enough to follow him to where his heart is?